Welcome to Momentum Church. Hey, good morning, Momentum Church. Uh, My name is Brantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum Church. And um, you will notice, for those of you that have been around for a while, I do have my new water bottle. My old water bottle was literally being held together with super glue, and Hannah would no longer allow the kids to drink out of it. Uh, So I've got Robo Bottle with me today, and uh, he'll be serving alongside of me. Well, this week, um, I accomplished something pretty incredible. Uh, I'm sure that most of you have probably done this at some point, um, but this was uh, an accomplishment for me this week. I cleaned out my garage, and so now, uh, this week, what I can do is I can park half of my van inside of that garage now. So <laughs> Listen, that's a big deal for me because before, like, we couldn't fit half of a Hot Wheels in there. So, uh, yeah, it's a big day. So uh, I, uh, on Wednesday, Wednesdays are my day off. And uh, so uh, Hannah has her small group that she goes to, and uh, that means I get to hang out with the kids, and which generally means I'm uh, somewhat listening for screams while I work. And um, so... I work on stuff around the house. Uh, for those of you who are workaholics at all, uh, you understand that, you know, we like to get stuff done. Uh, and so I'm out there and I got the kids riding their bikes in the driveway while I'm uh, cleaning up and uh, throwing stuff away and wondering where this came from and all of that. And so uh, I tell the kids, I'm like, hey, since y'all are riding your bikes, go ahead and pull your scooters out and stuff as well. That way I can get behind there. And uh, Gracie was sweet. She came in. She's a little homemaker. And she's like, oh, let me sweep a little bit. And so she sweeps up a little section. And um, it was great. And so I'm out there sweating and working for a few hours. And uh, finally, it's all done. I have the kids bring their bikes and scooters back in. And Malachi, my youngest, he's six. He comes strolling in. He's like, wow, this looks great. And I'm like, well, thank you. And then he proceeds to say, mommy is going to be so excited when she sees what all we've done in here. (laughs) Ah, Wait a second here. You ain't getting no credit for this. You took your bike out and put it back. That's the extent of what you've done here, right? (laughs) Isn't that what kids do, though? Like, they, they want all the benefits without any of that responsibility that it comes with, you know. And, and they're going to take every chance they can to take credit for something, right? Well, this morning we're going to be talking about something kind of similar. And, and what I feel like is that this, it, it transcends uh, beyond just like one specific thing for people, okay? Because uh, the stories that we're going to look at and whatnot, you could look at any individual story and say, oh, he's talking about that. But that's not what we're going to do this morning. Because what I feel like we're going to be discussing, actually, whether you're struggling with this in every area of your life or just maybe one small area of your life, uh, this is a topic that I think uh, you'll find as a thread amongst all of us. Uh, And and so what I I believe that we can do today is is we're going to go through and we're going to get three completely different stories out of Scripture, completely different. All right, and we're going to start out with David. And so as we go to 2 Samuel, go to 2 Samuel, um, I, I just, listen, whenever you see what we're about to start reading, you can't jump ahead and assume that you know where we're going today, okay? Because we're going to talk about David and Bathsheba. Everybody in the room that's ever heard that sermon before, you're like, ah, dang it. It's not that, it's, it's not quite like that though, okay? So 
Listen, if you go to mymomentumchurch.tv, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can get on your phone, all right, mymomentumchurch.tv, click today's notes. I have included some extra scripture in there for you as well um, throughout today's sermon. So we're going to be going through a lot of different scripture. If you have your Bible, you're going to be doing a lot of flipping, so just be prepared, okay? All right, so let's start out here in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. Then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Everybody know whenever you have a, a time in your life, whenever you're supposed to go out and fight a battle, but you stay at home, bad things are probably going to happen. Sometimes you need to go out and fight for your life, right? Verse 2 says, Now when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and a woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David went and uh, sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent messengers and took her, and when he, she came to him, he lay with her, and when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. The woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am pregnant. Everybody in the room, if you're awake, say, uh-oh. Yeah, this is, not, this is not a good thing, okay? Not a good thing for David. And so what he does is, is his first reaction, like many of our reactions is, is how can I hide this? So he calls in Uriah from the battle, and, and he tells Uriah, all right, hey, listen, man, you're doing a great job out there. No other reason for me sending you except just to say, good job, buddy. So why don't you go down uh, and, and lay with your wife, okay? And uh, so Uriah's like, no, dog, I ain't doing that. Um, and so now we're going to go to verse 14. It says, now in the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. He had written in the letter saying, place Uriah in the front line of the fiercest battle and withdraw from him so that he may be struck down and die. Now, I'm sure that we can find all kinds of different holes with uh, what David was doing here. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at these three different passages of Scripture, these three different stories. Now, what I want to look at is what were the benefits to start, okay, the benefits that David was after. Now, I spent a little bit of time trying to really think this one through because I know that sometimes we have children in here. And so the, the benefits that David was looking for, I'm going to put up here, was relations. That's the best word choice I can come up with. He wanted relations. <laughs> Some of y'all need to understand, though, that relations is not the same thing as relationship. All right, somebody in here, you're dealing with some relations problems, and what you're really looking for is relationship, but you didn't have somebody in your life who was willing to tell you, I love you because of who you are, not because of what you can do for me. And so what David did was he took advantage of this woman. He took advantage of this woman, and, and, and he said, I want all of the benefits, but look at this. I don't want any of the responsibility. And I'm going to make sure I write this correctly. Nope, I still didn't do it. We need, we need autocorrect for the whiteboards up here. He didn't want any of the responsibility of the covenant that was supposed to come with that. He didn't want any of the responsibility for, for uh, taking up with, with his own wives. He was looking for benefits with none of the responsibility. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Ezekiel. We're going to look at Israel. 
Ezekiel chapter 20. Now this is God talking about the Israelites. He says, When I had brought them into the land which I swore to give to them, then they saw every high hill and every leafy tree, and they offered their their sacrifices, and there they presented the provocation of their offering. There also they made their soothing aroma, and there they poured out their drink offerings. Then I said to them, What is this high place to which you go? So its name is called Bema to this day. We're going to back up to verse 13 because sometimes the way that the Bible explains situations is kind of in weird order for us. But it comes from, let's go back to verse 13 here. It says, but the house of Israel, they rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not walk in my statutes and they rejected my ordinances by which if a man observes them, he will live. And my Sabbaths, they greatly profaned. Then I resolved to pour out my wrath on them in the wilderness to annihilate them. So here we go. If we go back to Leviticus uh, in chapter 25, what you'll see is, is where God is, uh, he's saying, listen, I'm going to bring you into this land. It's going to be an incredible land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be uh, a land that you can support farming, uh, uh, agriculture, uh, as well as you'll be able to support flocks, um, which is really hard to find. But I'm going to bless you with all kinds of stuff. I'm going to bless you with the fruit of the trees, with, with the, uh, the sheep and, and all of this stuff. You're going to be blessed beyond belief. But here's what I need. I I need you to keep a Sabbath year. That's one out of every seven years. I want you to keep it a Sabbath, which means that you're neither sow nor going to reap. All right, you're going you're gonna to be blessed, but you've got to take a chance with me. And, and what's going to happen is, is on that seventh year, you're not going to touch the land. And that's really hard for them. That's really hard, right? But Here's the thing is they really wanted the fruit of that land because they had walked into it, right? And so the benefits were that they wanted the fruit of the land. They wanted the benefits, but here's the, the, the problem. If you go into 1 Kings in mymomentumchurch.tv in today's notes, um, I've, prov- I've provided some extra scripture for you. So in 1 Kings, uh, you know, you can see one of these occasions where King Jeroboam is taken over as, as king over Israel. And uh, the Israelites are, are, are kind of, you know, on this border of, man, what are we going to do here? King Jeroboam being a weak king is saying, listen, you know what? I'm going to be a good king. I'm going to give you everything that you want, right? And so he creates another God, a false God. And then they start getting rid of the Sabbath. They start getting rid of the Sabbath because here's, what, here's what's going on in their head. They're like, wait a second, God, we're supposed to give up an entire year? Like, I understand one day out of the week, but an entire year where we're just supposed to trust you? How, how are we supposed to provide for our families? How are we supposed to eat? I don't understand how this is going to work, Lord. And so what they do is they say, Lord, we want all of the benefits of the fruit of the land, but we want none of the responsibility of the Sabbath. We want none of the responsibility of the Sabbath. But here's, here's what's interesting. See, I, I, I want to pause for just a second and let you know, like, the Lord wants you to have these benefits, okay? Like, this is not a sermon about the Lord doesn't want you to benefit from him. This is a, this is a, a sermon about order, 
Okay, and so for them, the Lord wanted to bless them, and he said, listen, I need you to take Sabbath, the responsibility of the Sabbath, that one year. And then on every 50th year, that's going to be a year of Jubilee where you're also going to Sabbath that year. And so this is really sounding crazy to them, but secretly behind the scenes, what the Lord is doing is he's saying, listen, what you need to do is, is you need to take that year so that all of the fruit that comes up on those trees, it's going to fall to the ground, and whenever it falls to the ground, it's going to rot, and those nutrients are going to go into the soil. And whenever it goes into the soil, you know what's going to happen? Your trees are going to get bigger. Your trees are going to bear more fruit. But if you don't let the land rest, you can't experience the blessing that I want you to walk in. If you don't take the responsibility, you can't take the benefits that I really want you to have. So I need you to let the land rest. Let's go into Acts chapter 8. We're going to look at Simon the sorcerer. I'm going to read from the screen here. Now, there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. Here's what you need to understand as I pause for a second. Listen, you're going to find power all over the place, right? Especially you travel into other world religions, you practice uh, Satanism, uh, right? You, you practice all these different things, maybe in Buddhism, maybe in, uh, uh, in the Muslim faith, right? You, you find power in a lot of different places. You can, right? And, and he found power. He found power in, in, in the darkness. But Here's something else that you need to understand. Jesus came and he said, I also have power. I have the power of the Holy Spirit. And what you're looking for is you're looking for power and peace, and you're never going to find it in any other world religion. I have both power and I have peace, and I have both of them that I want you to walk in. You want peace that this world cannot give to you, and I have that peace, and I plan on giving it to you. But you got to walk in my power and my presence. And see, Simon, he, he wanted all the power. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give this authority to me as well. So that everyone on whom I may lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Check this out. See, Simon already had power. He wasn't interested in power. He already had that. What he was interested in was the fact that the power of Jesus with the Holy Spirit came through something that he didn't have, which was authority. He was interested in the authority. And, and, but here's the thing, right? Power is easy to come by. Authority is not. Power is easy to come by, authority is not. See, what, what Simon didn't understand in the moment was that he was trying to skip some steps. He thought that he could purchase the authority, but it wasn't about purchasing authority. It was about getting in relationship with the one who has the authority to give. You can't gain the authority of Jesus without a relationship with God. 
You can't gain the authority to move in the power of the Holy Spirit without building a relationship with the king of the universe. And that's what Simon was trying to skip. He wanted all the benefits of the authority without any of the responsibility of the relationship, the time that it took to build the relationship with the king, the time that it took to spend time one-on-one with him and pursue the relationship that God wants us to have. <coughs> Let's go to Habakkuk. This is kind of, the, this is kind of the, the verse, the crux of all of this for us. Habakkuk chapter 2. And this is, what's, this is what started in me. It says, Woe to him who increases what is not his, and for how long, and makes himself rich with loans. Will not your creditors rise up suddenly, and those who collect from you awaken? Indeed, you will become a plunder for them. <clears throat> See, here's, here's the thing. I, 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 as I was preparing for this message, I, I, was, I was feeling that I read through this, and it was just like, man, I think, I think there's something to this beyond debt. And as God started unraveling stuff within me, I started realizing that the spirit of debt and the spirit of cohabitation were the exact same thing. Right? I know that it feels like maybe we're jumping around a little bit, but we're not, okay? Because what I'm saying here is that the spirit of debt is that spirit that says, I want all of the benefits with none of the responsibility. The spirit of cohabitation is the exact same thing. It says, I want all of the benefits of relations without any of the responsibility of the covenant. I want all the benefits with none of the responsibility. And so what we can find is, is that, uh, you know, I kind of want to preface this with, if you hear a pastor or a preacher say that you might be experiencing a spirit of whatever it is, right? It, It could be that it's a literal spirit that you're engaging with, that you're aligning your heart with, right? It could be a literal spirit from the enemy. It could be a literal spirit on the, on the good side from the Holy Spirit, right? Or it could be that it's a characteristic that you have aligned your life with. And so for you, what you need to do is you need to pray, Lord, give me discernment so that I can know, Lord, is this a literal spirit that has attached itself to me that I have aligned my heart with? Or Lord, is this a characteristic in my life that I need to adjust? In either case, the, the, the principle still holds true, right? You could find yourself aligning your heart with a spirit of debt or cohabitation if there is any area in your life where you're thinking, I want all the benefits with none of the responsibility. And what we can see in Habakkuk is this idea that, listen, if you find yourself in a spirit of debt, then what you need to understand, this is not a punishment necessarily from God. It is, a, it is, it is what we call the, the, the creditor, right? Your creditors will awaken. The debt is going to come, and, and you're, that debt's going to come due, right? And what we find in life, at least, I don't know if any of you have ever had any kind of debt. I've had some debt before, right? If you, if you know debt, then you also know that whenever the debt collector comes, rarely do they ask for just the debt that you've taken on. Most of the time, they're asking to collect that full debt with interest. And I'm very afraid that for the people that, that hear the sound of my voice, that you're, you're living in a manner that is causing you to go into debt. And what's going to happen is, is that you have celebrated that you've had the benefits and none of the responsibility, and eventually your creditor will awaken. And he's going to come to collect the full debt with interest. Maybe it's something big, maybe it's something small, I don't know. Let's look at David. Go back to 2 Samuel. 
So Nathan, the prophet, has come to talk with David, and he's given him a story that David is pretty upset about. And then in verse 7, it says, uh, chapter 12, verse 7, Nathan then said to David, you are the man that this story is talking about. Thus says the Lord God over Israel, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added you many more things like these. Right? The Lord wants us to have the benefits. I've given you all of this stuff. I want you to have the benefits. And if it wasn't enough, I would have taken care of you even more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. It's interesting, the sword will never depart from your house. Why was he even at his house in the first place? Because he was avoiding war. And now he's saying, guess what? Your creditor has awakened and war is coming to your house. If you hadn't avoided it, then you could have been living in peace. And now all of a sudden you've taken all the benefits of relations without the responsibility. And now the debt is time to be collected. For the rest of your life, your house will have no peace. The debt will be paid in full. Let's go to Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 26. Can I just pause for one second here and just say... Listen, if you feel like I'm stepping on your toes pretty aggressively and you're like, oh man, he knows my story and that's why he's saying this stuff, it has nothing to do with that, okay? As pastors on staff, you know, we pray Jeremiah 1 where, where the Lord says, I have placed my words in your mouth. We're praying, Lord, place your words in our mouth. And you know what? Whenever he does that, typically he's going to speak to the congregation that's in front of us. And so it's not, listen, this, our, our messages, if you ever feel that way, it's not directed at you, but God may be directing it at you. Um, I just want to put a point of clarification on that. Put Leviticus chapter 26 back up there for me. You, however, I will scatter among the nations. He's talking to Israel. As your land becomes desolate and your cities become waste, then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of desolation while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation, it will observe the rest which it did not observe on your Sabbaths while you were living in it. So here's, here's the interesting part, all right? I, I did stupid amounts of research trying to figure this out, all right? Trying to figure out, because th- there's, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 4, it talks about the, the amount of time that Israel and Judah did not uh, obey the Sabbath, the law of the Sabbath. They, they just, they, they were not keeping it. Uh, they weren't keeping it the one out of seven years, and they weren't keeping the year of Jubilee, right? And so I did all kinds of research because I really like to have definite numbers. And I even asked uh, one of our congregants who I know studies scripture avidly, and I was like, dude, you got to help me out with this. I want exact dates on the dates from when they were not keeping the Sabbath and whatnot. And 
you go all over the place and you try to find it. You can't find exact dates, which absolutely drives me nuts, right? And if you come up to me after this service and you say, oh, well, it was from this date to this date, I'm going to call you a liar, right? <laughs> you can't find it, dang it. <laughs> I, listen, I, I even broke out an Excel spreadsheet. I'm not joking. Trying to count. Right, because it said that it said that it was 430 years by Ezekiel in chapter four that that they were 430 years they didn't keep the Sabbath they disobeyed God's laws and so for 430 years that means that for 70 years these people went into exile that was the debt collected 70 years into exile and I broke out the dang Excel spreadsheet trying to count through 430 years understanding one out of every seven plus the year of Jubilee on the 50th year and I'm going through trying to figure all of it out. I can't get it to equal 70, but I get it to equal 69. And here's what I think is really interesting. If my math is correct, and I'm not saying it's 100% correct, but what I do think is interesting is if it's legitimately 69 years that they did not uh, give the land its rest and the Lord took 70, you know what happened? The Lord didn't come back just to collect the debt, but he came back to collect the debt with interest. Let's go to Acts. Looking at Simon the sorcerer who just offered to buy the authority of God with money. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bondage of iniquity. But Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me yourselves so that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Here's what I think is really interesting about this debt. See, all of the different debts, they all look different, right? All the different debts that are collected, they all look completely different. What I think is interesting about this one is that Peter has spoken uh, over uh, Simon. He's spoken over Simon, and what Simon was trying to skip out on was relationship, and now as a result, for him trying to flee a curse that was placed on him essentially by Peter. If you have a better word than curse, you can use it, right? But that's just what I'm using. He had to flee a curse that Peter put on him, and the only way to flee that curse was by running to God and having to invest fully in a relationship with the Lord. And so his debt to be collected was fleeing a curse. You're going to have to bear with me. I'm, I'm losing my voice. My son was playing baseball yesterday, and I'm overly competitive. <laughs> so I'm still losing my voice a little bit, and I apologize for that. But, but listen, he was fleeing a curse, right? So here's what this looks like. It can, it can look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people. I don't know what the debt is in your life that's going to be collected, but you need to understand that debt will be collected if you're fleeing the responsibility to take part in the benefits. You know, for some people, you're on social media and, and you're posting, like, number one, a lot of people post, like, how much they hate social media on social media, which is funny. Like, oh, social media is terrible. That's post on Tuesday, you know, so <clears throat> whatever. So people post on, on social media, you know, making it look like I'm a really great husband. I'm a really great wife. Look how awesome I am, right? They want all the benefits of looking like a really great husband or a really great wife. They post how incredible of a parent they are, 
right? And, and, and man, I did this with my kid today, right? And, and whatever. And, and we're supposed to be elated for you. Like you've just done the most incredible thing in the world by taking your kid to the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> Right? It's like, okay, well, if you didn't do that, he was going to poop in your house, you know? Like, go take him to the bathroom. We're not proud of you for that. Right? You, 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 post, you post and you pretend to be some kind of incredible influencer of people, but you haven't done anything to actually influence anybody except create a meme. Right? And, and so what we find on social media, I know that like social media wasn't in the Bible, but the, the, the premises are there, right? Where we try to take advantage of all of the benefits with none of the responsibility. Listen, if you are trying to pretend like you're a great husband or a wife and you haven't put in the hard time and, and the arguments to make this work, man, the debt collector is going to come to collect the debt. At some point, the work that you have avoided and, and received all the benefits from, the debt's going to get collected. Your kid, right, that you, you, refuse, you refuse to put the phone down so that you can spend time with your kid and get down on the floor with your kid, go outside with your kid. But you pretend to be this incredible parent online. Let me tell you something. At some point when that kid is 18, 21, 35, the debt will be collected for all of the responsibility you chose not to take whenever your kid was still in your house. The debt will be collected. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to like get after people, but it's just a warning, man. I see warnings in Scripture where God is a good father and he says, don't go play in the street. Because you're going to get hit by a car. It's up to us to take that warning and say, okay, Lord. And you know what? I'm going to take my phone and I'm going it, to, it's a process for me. I'm going to take my phone. I'm going to leave it in the other room. I'm going to intentionally leave it in the other room. And whenever you start doing that, somebody's going to call you weak. You shouldn't even have to worry about that phone. You shouldn't have to worry about it. You shouldn't, it shouldn't be an issue for you. It shouldn't be an issue for you to worry about that. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. I have to do that for my kids. I have to intentionally take time and think about, all right, listen, I need to put this phone away. And so I go and I put it in the other room and somebody will call me weak because of that. But I'll tell you what I call me. I call me smart. I call me looking out for my kids' future. And I'm going to take intentional decisions that I don't care what other people think about so that I can invest in my kids. And then I don't have to post on social media whenever my kids grow up and they start doing things living like God. Yes, our kids are going to make mistakes, but I can choose to take time right now to take responsibility and invest in my kids. You want to be an influencer on social media, try to influence somebody face-to-face -face first. You don't need memes. You need people that care. You know, people, people like to hold on to trust and whatnot, and, and, and it's, it's this idea that trust is given to us. So much trust is given to us by different people. Are you, what are you going to do with that trust that people give you? They give you the secrets to their heart, the keys to their heart. And then you choose to just be irresponsible with the trust that's been given to you, that's been trusted to you, and you start giving it away and giving it away, and it's just like, oh, did you hear about this? Oh, did you hear about that? 
You're just giving that trust away. But let me tell you something. You're benefiting from the trust right now. You're benefiting in that it looks like you are the one with all the information. But eventually what's going to happen is is that debt's going to come and be collected. And all those people, all those fake relationships that you've built off of information that you shouldn't have given away, now all of a sudden the true friends in your life don't feel like they can trust you anymore. The true friends in your life, you have to work to rebuild that trust. The debt will be collected. Listen, I I want to reiterate, God wants you to benefit. God wants benefits for your life. He does. But you got to get things in order. You know, so many people, so many Christians, we we want the peace of God. You know, in John, I believe it's 14, he says that he comes to bring you peace and not peace like the world. And you're like, yes, Lord, I want peace from you, Jesus. I want peace from your Holy Spirit. I don't want the world's peace, but God, I don't want to live the way that you want me to live. I don't want to take on the responsibility of of living the way that you want. I don't want to take on the responsibility of turning to you, Jesus. I don't want to take on the responsibility of repentance, right? I want all of the grace with none of the repentance. You know, in church, we find ourselves, and I'm just be honest, right? We want all the benefits of the air conditioning on the summer days, but we don't want to take on the responsibility of paying the bills, you know, I, I believe in tithing, and I believed in tithing before I ever became full-time here. And I'm, I'm a businessman at heart, and I understand that if I'm going to go somewhere that is providing something, there's got to be someone to pay the bills. If you are aligning your heart with the mission of this church or any other church, I don't care what church you go to. If you're visiting here and you're like, this isn't my church, I don't have to worry about that. You need to worry about it at your church, right? Somebody's got to keep on the lights. If you care about the mission, if you care about the vision of Jesus through whatever house you're going to, then you care about providing and taking care of the bills. Where do you think it comes from? You know, we got to keep the projector going so that you can know what words to sing. What, y'all want to guess the words? (laughs) This isn't a tithing sermon, man, but it's just the idea that, listen, you, you want the benefits of the church, but you don't want the responsibility of serving? You want the benefits of, of, of grace without the responsibility of repentance? You want the benefits of relations without the, the responsibility of covenant? What is it that that you want? Because listen, God wants you to benefit. He wants you to benefit from relationships. He wants you to benefit from this church. He wants you to benefit from whatever church you go to. But he also says there's an order to things. And if you don't get the order right, the debt collector will awaken. And he will come to collect that debt. And that's not a threat. That's a promise from God. I don't know what that's going to look like in your life. Maybe it's something small. But listen, there's something in your life potentially where you're like, man, I've taken advantage of the benefits without the responsibility. You have a chance right now. You can't change the past, but you can change the course of your future. And you can look at God and say, God, man, I've messed this up in my past, but Lord, I want to move forward in the responsibility of my future. I'm going to do something weird with you today that I, I, I don't think I've ever asked anybody else to do with me. Right? There is something about your feet there is something about proximity. There's something about, uh, about uh, how we move in relationship to this earth. 
Whenever we move physically, we move things spiritually. And so what I want you to do today, look, I I don't care if it sounds weird to you or not. If you are at a place where you're thinking, dang it, I've missed it. I took advantage of all the benefits with none of the responsibility. I don't know what kind of area of your life it is. Could be something big, could be something small. But you're like, you know what? I'm done with that. I don't want the creditor to awaken. I want to start walking in my responsibility right now. I want to start walking in my responsibility right now. It may seem weird to you. I want you to take your shoes off right now as I pray for you. I'm not even joking. You see me up here. I ain't got no shoes on. There's a reason. I didn't do this in first service. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking. And some of y'all got smelly feet, but we're only going to be in here for another five minutes. Y'all can be okay. You've got somewhere that you want to move forward in your life. And you're like, Lord, I know you got the benefits. I want the responsibility. And from this moment forward, I am going to walk in that responsibility. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to pray for you. If you don't have your shoes off and you want them off, go ahead right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you, God. I thank you for this room of people. I thank you for every person that just took off their shoes, Lord, that, that, were, that were okay being a little bit odd for you, Lord, because we know, God, based off of your scriptures, that whenever we do stuff in the physical, it has supernatural effects. God, and that we want to walk in the responsibility with you, God. We want to walk in that responsibility, Lord, and we are so sorry, God. We are so sorry for the things in our past that we have, that we have shucked responsibility on. But Lord, help us, God. Help us to take that responsibility from this moment forward, this very next step, God. Help us to take responsibility. God, bless us with your benefits, God. Lord, we love you so much, Lord. We repent. We repent, Lord. If that's you right now, if that's you, you need to take a moment. I'm going to get quiet. You repent in your heart. You repent for those things. And you say, Lord, from this moment forward, from this next step, God, bless me with the responsibility that I'm supposed to walk in. Help me to use that responsibility wisely, God. Lord, and I look forward to the benefits on the other side. Lord, we thank you so much, God. We thank you for your your good work inside of us, God. We thank you for your grace, God. We thank you, God, that you have entrusted us with the responsibility of spreading your kingdom, God. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we take responsibility for our next steps. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.